We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, coaches. Welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kearney. Joining us today is Peter Prickett, author and coach, an advocate of 3v3. He's written a few books on 3v3 methodology. We talk about his new book, 3v3 inspired by legends as you probably know if you listen to the podcast i love retro football i love football in the 90s and the 80s and even beyond that there from videos growing up peter has written a book that's inspired by these players and then goes into session design into how you can build sessions inspired by these legends but what I think is a really, really crucial piece is that it's got a massive element of player development, a real intention about how you're designing a session and what you want to bring out of it, not just a shooting game and called after a player. There's a real detail about how he talks about the session and how the session is designed all around youth soccer. So you don't have to stand and talk to the young player about the good old days when David Beckham played, or one of the legends in the book, Pele, Romario, Cruyff, George Best, many others. Brilliant book, I finished it and I loved it and I wanted to get Peter on to chat about it. We talk about the philosophy behind it in this podcast. We also go in in the interview to into talking about some of the exercises. I've taken that bit out because you need the visuals for it, but... Head on over to YouTube if you want to see it. It's brilliant. He goes through, again, the session design and then the way behind everything and the link to the player development piece, which I love. So check it out on YouTube and also check out the book 3v3, Inspired by Legends. The link is in the podcast details. You will love it. You will enjoy it. And if you're a youth coach, it should get the wheels turning in terms of a few things, session design, communication, and a little bit of creativity on the coach's side as well. Hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. At Modern Soccer Coach on Instagram, at Modern Soccer Coach on Twitter. Don't forget to head on over to the YouTube page and subscribe to our content there as well if you enjoy it. All right, here's Peter. Enjoy. Peter. Congratulations on the new book. Another book. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me on. More than happy to be here. Usually when you write a book, you, the first thing is never again. What was the inspiration behind this one? It was two years in the end, almost two years between this book and the previous one. Um, I had written out a little list of ideas of books um, and, a, and a bit of a timetable for them too. So I had written in there and free v free book number three, but it wasn't supposed to be until late this year or next year, but I looked at it. But what happened was I started to write another book and realized there were going to be delays on that and thought, okay, maybe I could have a look at 
that freebie free book now then. And I'd always been interested by an idea that I saw when I was doing my master's research from Daniel Mehmet. And he talked about positive priming and using creative players to try and creatively prime players, young players. So they go out and they have that idea of messy in their head and it might help to inspire them. And then I came across a PDF written by Pepin Linders when he was was youth coaching at Feyenoord, I think he was was at PSV, whichever of them it was. Um, And he talked about playing small-sided games and they named them. So they'd named them the Beckham game. They'd named them to try and save, or the Zidane game was another one. If we're playing the Beckham game, we're putting in crosses. If we're playing the Zidane game, we're doing lots of turns. And that sort of, was the extra prompt to go, okay, let's let's explore this idea a bit further and see where it comes out. Yeah, I should have said at the start, I've, I've read the book this week. Uh, I finished it last night, thankfully, before the interview. Uh, and, I, and I love that. I, I love I love football books, like just coaching books in general. I love the way of, of taking ideas and concepts and trying to uh, present them in a way that, that lets you you open your mind and challenges your thinking. I just love that. So I always recommend coaches are like, give me a book to read. Read most football books will take you there. The thing that that I loved about your book was, well, the the concept of like I I love retro football. Love the nineties and eighties. I grew up like love it, love it. Oh, it inspires me. But 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 the question I had was. As I read more of the book and I saw more of the exercises and the, and the layout of the book, I thought, is he, is he gearing this to inspire coaches to maybe open their mind? Whereas initially I thought it was a player's thing. A little bit, a little bit. I thought there was a sneaky opportunity to remind people of all that's gone before as well. So all of these great players. But, and I tried to balance it. So I, I wanted to have modern players, current players, but I wanted the greats from the past. And it was a difficult choice sometimes because there's some great players who aren't in there. Just because I thought they might not be quite recognisable enough. So it had to be a balance between being relevant, either historically the players are so good that people will know who they are, or they are the current greats. Current greats is quite difficult as well because I'm potentially elevating players to status that they haven't quite deserved. There's a a chapter in there about Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson. There's also a chapter about Roberto Carlos and Cafu. So, it might be pushing it to put to put the two players along or the two sets of players alongside each other. But I felt that with Trent and Andy Robertson, they exemplified the modern fullback so much and people would know exactly what I was talking about, it was worth putting them in. Brilliant. Uh, right, we're gonna pull up some some slides and talk about uh some of the concepts of the book. So obviously in all the um 
in all the books you've written so far, you've you've gone with this three v three model. Um, I just took a screenshot out of the book. The benefit the benefits of the three v three model. Uh, let's just say you go into a club. Uh, you're you're with a group of air coaches at the early stage of their development, also working with young children, not familiar with the three v three model. Uh, what what would you say? You know, or some of the some of the strengths, uh, some things for them to think about. So this particular shot is uh, an, an adaptation of something that I made a couple of years ago. I always find that there's because I'm always fiddling around and making stuff. Things that were made a while ago tend to find a home in a new book, and that one should be the FA four corner model. So originally it was in color. Now my publishers print in black and white, so they asked me, could I change it and still make it recognizable as the four corner model? So that's why we've got this here. Um, as for how I would pitch it to someone who's new to it, the way that I see it, it fundamentally comes from the more contact players have with the ball, the better technical opportunities they have to develop. But the most contacts you can have with a ball is me and the ball and no one else. There's no decision-making involved in that process, though. Not really. I can't take my cues from anyone else. I might decide what move to make, or, but I'm going to have all the time in the world to make that choice. So we then go, okay, next step. Well, 1v1. 1v1's next. So I've got decisions to make. I've got a defender against me. I got... The ratio is two to one. I got loads of touches. But then there might be an imbalance between the one being outstanding and the one being a learner, especially at grassroots level. And also, 1v1, I can't pass. I might be able to shoot, depending on what the setup is. So next step, 2v2s. Great. But then there's a lot of game actions that can't occur in a two versus two because it's linear. The, the positioning between the defenders and each other is a flat line. However you, you move around, you've always got a flat line. It might be at an angle, but it's still going to be that one line. Same for the attackers. So that limits the amount of movement that's available. And it's a lot easier to actually just man mark and nullify, which is great in a way because that's what they're learning but once they've learned that we could end up in a very static place so i went to the next step which was 3v3 so by adding in another player we got a six to one ratio we then start to create triangles naturally and most people who've coached or watched football know how important triangles are to the game whether that's passing and moving or whether that is defending in a triangle and having or pressing in a triangle because one player could go and press and two could cover. I wouldn't advise that. I'd try and go two with press and one cover. Or if you really wanted to, all three could go. But you can't get that. The, the, the co concept of cover and balance is very limited in a 2v2. But when you go 3v3, it starts to get there. And then other key mo movements and as an attacker pop up, you can't do a third man run in a 2v2. Key concepts of a, for the game. 
overlaps up back and through they all start to come out a lot more of course there's going to be a limit you do play in a tighter space that element of the game opening it out in front of you and becoming bigger in a in those much larger spaces isn't there then context comes into play how old are the players what stage are they at where in the session does 3v3 fit because you can use 3v3 with older players building into a 6v6 with those bigger areas so it was my way I say my way. I don't own 3v3. I didn't come up with it. But the concept of the books was my way of trying to simply get a player or the players as many ball contacts as possible while still having lots and lots of football relevant decisions to make. Do you know what I think what gets lost in a lot of this as... uh... I read more about it and, and I have kids of my own that are starting their soccer experience and now I'm getting more at the grassroots level. I'm, I'm seeing more, I'm aware of more, etc. The, the physical side that you're, that you're talking, as, as soccer becomes more clinical in terms of the teaching and we've got this Rondo generation now where, where everything is about this box with keeping the ball in it. There's not a lot of movement in that box and the demands of the game between the legends of the 70s and the 80s and the legends of today, whatever you want to call them, the physical demands of the game are always going to be high. And there's no hiding place. In, in a 5v5, you can, you, can, you can hide a forward, lazy forward, up beside the goalkeeper. But 3v3, it's a really, really good game for kids to actually get them used to the demands, the physical demands yeah. of what football is. When I was coaching at Grassroots, when I did even 4v4s, you would see that one kid who wasn't quite as good just sort of drift out of it and the game would pass them by and they wouldn't get involved. Doesn't really happen in a 3v3. Doesn't really happen. They tend to get involved. They tend to be a part of it. They could, they almost get involved by accident sometimes. Like they're not trying to, but then suddenly, oh, the ball's here. I'm involved. I'm playing. So those smaller numbers and smaller spaces can help get them involved, get them engaged. Yeah, which can then help the experience and then help the, the psychosocial aspect of it as well, right? Keep them and, then it gr- and then it grows and grows and grows. Yeah, hopefully. 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 All right, let's take a look at some exercises. Um, Again, I'm, I'm, I love I love something different and I love something that's kind of deliberate to bring something out. And you've done both of this and, and these, not to, there's tons. And so I don't know how many total, Peter, you'll be able to tell me. Um, um, I think there's about, the aim was to have a, about 50 players and have three practices. So there should be around 150 practices in the book. So this is the part of the interview that Peter and I look at the diagrams and the video of the exercises. We went through four of them for the games. It's an extra 20 odd minutes. We needed the visuals for it, so we didn't put it in the podcast. But if you head on over to YouTube, you can watch this right now. Modern Soccer Coach on YouTube. Please subscribe when you're there. Really appreciate the support. And back to the interview after the videos. 
that's the that's the club. I didn't want to ruin again too many of the of the exercises, but I can assure coaches go on the link on the right. 3v3 inspired by legends out this week it's got tons of these here absolute tons of ideas with different variations and things to make you think as a coach uh, alongside some of the players that we grew up watching one question that i want to ask you here was about coaching styles and this very game-based approach how, how would you mm. recommend a coach facilitates we all love to stop we love to talk does this approach mean that we don't have to or does it mean we got to be more deliberate or, or where do you recommend we we work within that so feedback that i have had from some you know coaches in pretty high positions put it that way has been that by playing 3v3 it has been much easier and quicker for them to get their coaching points out because Things will happen. It's, it's the game. So things that you would see in games of bigger numbers that could need addressing will still happen. But you don't have to take as long to stop them. If you pull one player out and chat to him quickly, it's not going to make a massive difference. It'll be a 3v2 overload. That's fine. It's, you know, you can use all sorts of different interventions. I'm sure you've done many webinars dedicated to interventions. Um, but I I hope that the setup requires less explanation. The objective requires less explanation because we've used these players and say, we want you to, or we want you, can you try and score like Harry Kane, score like Romario, without going too deep into it. And then there's other things that you might be able to do, like using video. So if they're not sure, let's show them a clip. It's not, you said it's not easy to find Beckenbauer, but you'll, there are just enough clips there, just on YouTube, to give them an idea. And we don't want to sit and watch five, 10 minutes. I just want to show them a minute or two. And they get it. They get it. So using different cues rather than the coaches talking, the coaches talking, the coaches talking. When when you've done uh, or when you structure the full session, where does where does this sit with you know technical work, possession exercises, you know, all the other things that a lot of coaches are trying to juggle when they're when they're trying to get the, the checklist of what they need in their session. Again, another area that a little bit of guidance in that. There's well, those things exist within these these sessions and these plans. They're they're there. And that's that whole outcome idea, the idea of the session has to have an outcome or an objective is kind of where the books came from in the first place, because I was looking at Horst Vane's work and Horst is the godfather of 3D3. But I looked at it and I thought we can, we can do a bit more coaching. We can tailor it more deeply to get 
important concepts that young players will eventually need to know. And if they get to know them a little bit earlier than they maybe need to, then great. So by creating these type of games, and they're not all straight 3v3, some of a 4v2. So a possession type game, well, 4v2, uh, it's a rondo 4v2, but if it's 4v2, we could do it, that rondo scenario in very different ways that might be less static. But I think, I always think that whatever practices we see, they're just a starting point. These are all just starting points. How can we change them to suit our context or just to make them a bit more fun and a bit more active? Active is quite important. I think it builds really good habits for the culture. Maybe maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe sparks sparks some imagination into the coach. David's just that I just said about he uses WhatsApp and he puts in the YouTube link to the parents because if we're using Beckham Bar or if we're using even Beckham today, the kids probably don't know who that is. So yeah. then we know that, so then we go and we look for clips for that. But that that process in itself is leading you towards backing up your work with some form of evidence of research that you've put a bit of thought into it, basically. Mm. And then that's a good habit to develop, even if you're doing something with, with again, Aguero or or, or De Bruyne or Alexander-Arnold or big-time players yeah. today. Like we should be backing that up. Yeah, I think so. We are meant... I remember going on early coaching courses and one of the phrases that the FA used to use, I don't know if they still do, they may well still do, student of the game. As a coach, you're a student of the game. So coaches, I don't know if it's quite our duty to know, but we should be aware of current trends, current players, who's doing what. So it, help, it will help us to connect with the players as well, because... They love the game. They love football. If you talk to them about someone who's relevant to them, then that helps to form that, that bond and that relationship. I, I, I mentioned in there, in the book, the players I choose are players who, without knowing the audience, people should have some idea who they are or be able to find out. But, if I work for Stoke City Foundation, it might be that I could or want to model a session that might be Harry Kane in there on whoever their centre forward is, if he's banging in goals. If he's not banging in goals, I probably don't want to. But whatever resonates with the audience or the players in front of you. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, yeah. The more, I, the more I look at it, the more I think of it. The more I think, like, it, it is. A, uh, sometimes we think football was invented fifteen, ten years, even less, and some of the concepts that were around, players did take more risk. Players were a bit more creative because the game there was more space to be creative. Um, mm. 
and some of that's not a bad thing to bring into youth environments as well, right? Not at all. Not at all. I'm, I think through global sharing and global movement of coaches moving from country to country, it all starts to become homogenized. It all starts to become very similar. You know, you'll see the same things happening at an academy in the USA as you would in Germany, as you would in Portugal. Because especially this, especially the Western culture, the Western cultures, it does look a little bit different when you go to other places, but still they want, they want, or people want to know what's working in the successful places. So they all start to become the same. But really, that's, you can't create, you can't take someone else's culture and put it in your culture. But you end up with something different. Rightly, you've got to try and make it relevant and fit with the culture that exists. You might, there might be, need to be some changes to some of it. Some, you might try and tweak some of the cultural aspects. But you can't really, to, to truly get who they are, who those young players are, asking an English player to train like a Spaniard, it's not going to be the same. A young English player. We want that young player to be them. So how can we let them express who they are and become that phrase, the best, the best version of themselves. Not who me as a coach thinks they are or their parent thinks they are. What what they got? Let's find out. And let's see where that takes us. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I actually did a presentation on this to a group of coaches last week about about where we're at in the US. And and I think that the culture that we're trying to bring in is way too collective. It's in love with different systems and and the, the level of the coach now is very collective uh, collective centered like in terms of trying to figure out 11 v 11 concepts yeah. at 11 12 13 14 and build them on up but but we actually got a really good opportunity over here with players that are now playing at the highest level in world football yeah. Leeds United of two of them in the center of the park like this is this is a really really good opportunity for youth coaches to try and get young young players will not tap into a to a system right like when when no. i was falling in love with the game it was it was the individuals that you you still there was a maradonas for me it was the it was the best it was those types of that's what actually draws you towards the game not the systems and the with the younger players well the young kids now without sounding like an old man <laughs> but it's the skills and tricks that make it onto TikTok that make those youtube compilations it's that individualism that makes it there and that's what they gravitate to we gravitated to it as well but in a different way because we didn't have that luxury but we could get our 101 great goals video and see that sort of thing i have bbc the entertainers 
uh, with John Motson narrating it. And uh, what a very some very old players on that, um, like John Shackleton and yeah, Stanley Matthews. Like there, it goes right up until I think Giggs is the is the is the newest one. Beardsley Waddle Giggs, yeah, brilliant. Gascoy. Mm. I, I um, had that video as well. <laughs> um, last few here, uh, we'll, we'll chat about retro football all day. Uh, a question from Max. He's asked about, and I'm assuming this is your other book. Uh, play, yeah. yeah, like talk a little bit about that there and where that connects, whatever. So there's um, the point of principle, the, the point of the principles of play book was that I believe that if you want, if as a coach you don't have a grasp of what the principles are, it's quite hard to design a session that is truly relevant to the game. So, in a way, that Principles of Playbook should probably have been written before the freebie free books, in a way, because the principles inform the practice design. Uh, we looked at the Kuman one, go forward, penetration, well, there we go, can you play forward? That's Kuman right there. Can you travel forward with the ball? It's a form of movement, moving with the ball. So there's those principles are in there. Creativity is a is a principle. We've got that in the De Bruyne practice we just looked at. So those principles of play drove the design of the practices because if the practice isn't relevant to one or more principles then what's it there for? If the answer's fun for young kids, that's not a bad answer. Worth putting that in there. But truly, the practices have got to have some relevance to the principles of the game. Most of them do, because we, I think instinctively, as people who watch football, we know what the principles are, basically. It's just when we start to break them down but we sometimes find things that we don't know or we didn't know. I mean, my, my whole argument in that, in that book was what truly are principles. And that was, that was a massive, massive hurdle to begin with, figuring out what the true principles are. Because for me, principles have to be universal. Everything after that is a sub-principle. So principles to sub-principles, sub-principles because you don't have to use them. We've seen teams not use width and still be successful. You know, so, yeah, what are the principles that you are, possibly that you are using as well? Or what are the universal principles that no matter what will be relevant? Hello coaches, we take a quick break here. We are really excited at Modern Soccer Coach to start a new partnership with NL Tactical Boards. Never Lose Tactical Boards have created a product that allow players to understand the game better. It's a double-sided dry erase board designed for coaches everywhere. It's got no lose magnetic technology and then that easy to read surface 
so you never will lose a magnet you can move the magnets around without taking them off the board it's an absolutely brilliant product mine arrived a couple of weeks ago i've done a demo on this on youtube if you haven't seen it head on over to the youtube page if you're a coach and you're looking for some visuals on the sideline i can guarantee you that you will love this product you can get it customized as well i got mine customized with the modern soccer coach logo and everything on it on one side of the board is a full pitch on the other side of the board it's a half pitch so if you're looking for the set pieces or any detail with the attack and movements you've got both options there absolutely brilliant highly highly recommend it and they've also gone above and beyond to give modern soccer coach listeners 20 percent off on all the boards until march 31st so you've got just over a week to take advantage of it msc20 msc20 i'll put the link below on the podcast information 20 percent off the tactical boards check it out if you haven't looked at the demo on youtube check that out as well highly highly recommend it nltacticalboard.com looks to be all the questions there last one i have for you peter is if anyone has any more just just throw them on you know obviously writing in itself is a is a creative outlet where do you draw and then session writing about session design is the ultimate i think and, and creating more sessions and and putting that out in the world with concepts around the youth game where do you draw your inspiration um both from a both from a session design sense and from a football sense as well well this one is inspired by legends quite quite clearly. So that yeah. whole that whole that whole yeah. retro football thing, it's right there. Yeah, it's right there. And I've been yeah, I was always fascinated by what came before, like the Dutch team, the Hungary team, Real Madrid of the fifties, all those sort of teams. Um as to the plans themselves. Often, it's just me scribbling and drawing and working out what happens if I put this here? Anything? No, useless. Okay, let's chuck that away. What if I put this here? Okay, that could change it. What if I change the numbers? And then more practically, it can basically essentially be what are we working on with this group? And the inspiration comes from what's in front of me. And sometimes the curriculum is involved there too. So that's not inspiration, that's a task. But still, you can approach it in different ways. You can see it as, mm, okay, I've got to make a plan. Or you can see it as, all right, what can I do here? What can I play around with? Can I be imaginative and creative? Because hopefully that's what the players can be as well. Your futsal qualification, your your coach ed in, in the futsal area. Where, where did that? How has that moved your 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 thinking towards? Um, I think it's it's helped with the small sided. I I always liked small sided games. So, as a Liverpool fan growing up, I was raised on the myths of. All we did in training was play five a side. So it was that. And then the next thing I hear about is the Dutch playing 4v4. And I'm a fan of the Dutch teams. 
So small sided games were always in there, but I I probably I probably didn't understand them properly until I started to coach. Um so there's that and then I futsal I went and did the qualification because I was doing an indoor session with outdoor footballs. And they're bouncing over people's heads and that sort of thing. I'm going, this can't be, this isn't right. So I got myself a futsal, much less bounce, ball on the floor, they can actually play. Amazing. They ended up going on the courses. But that small-sided structure has helped inform my my practices and seeing what you can do with those small numbers. Um, and futsal is being flagged because of the opportunities it affords, naturally, because of the way the game is set up. I think a coach with the right mindset can afford those opportunities as well, but they probably need to have some kind of understanding of small-sided game design. And I think that the only two qualifications that I've done that have done that for the futsal B license and the FA youth awards or youth modules because they helped to develop those small-sided plans although the old level two was all small-sided but it was different it was very different I don't think that was that wasn't small-sided to encourage you to use small-sided games that felt like it was small-sided because that's what you need to do to pass. But that's how the course used to be. That was a long time ago. Do you still, do you still keep up with the futsal? Do you still do a bit? Um, yeah, I did a futsal session today. But I only do one a week at the moment. And like to do more. Uh, lots of changes to futsal in this in the UK or in England. Um, got scrapped, got brought back. Um, we'll see what, what happens. I'm not sure... Uh, if I will be going back to tutoring at any point, who knows? Never say never, but you know, yeah, at the moment, probably not. Max has asked a big question, good question before we finish. Yeah, uh, it's available. It's available <laughs> in the US. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I, um, I'm aware that the majority of my audience is from England, so most of the time on Twitter, I put up the link to to the uh, English version of Amazon, the British version of Amazon, but there are some tweets that I put out a couple of days ago, yesterday maybe, because I think the book was number one new release and the Kindle was number two new release on Amazon USA. So... There's a tweet there with dollar values next to the images. Um, I might have put the link up. I can't remember. But it is definitely available in the US. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm recommending everyone go and get themselves a copy. I loved it, uh, Peter. Loved it. And uh, inspired quite a bit of thinking for myself personally. So I really appreciate you. You appreciate you jumping on, obviously. And appreciate Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, thank what- you very much for asking me on. What's next? There may be another book coming in the summer. Very different, but it would it would appeal to your retro football stylings. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not a coaching book. Ah. It's just a football book. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, hey, that's a, a good excuse to get you back on then. We'll do the hat trick mm-hmm. of MSC appearances, get you back on yeah. the summer. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Peter, brilliant chatting again. We'll get everyone to get a copy of this book before the before the month is over. <laughs> oh, thank you so much again for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.